Join us and Neighborhood Cats for all you need to know about Trap New to Return, TNR, and Colony Management. You'll learn the basics and walk away with the tools you need to be successful in helping outdoor cats. Workshops are typically held the first Saturday of the month. Registrants will have the opportunity to earn a certificate. For more information and to register today, go to communitycatspodcast.com. You've tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we're speaking with Anne Levin. Anne is the executive director of Brooklyn Bridge Animal Welfare Coalition which she founded as an animal rescuer in 2007 as a cooperative to provide individual animal rescuers with medical foster and adoptive support, such as was otherwise found only in traditional shelters. In 2016, Anne founded the Brooklyn Cat Cafe, a community adoption and rescue space, and one of the only cat cafes in the country operated as a nonprofit rescue organization. Since it opened, over 70,000 people have visited the Brooklyn Cat Cafe from around the world, and hundreds have attended its private events and classes. During the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic, the Brooklyn Bridge Animal Welfare Coalition opened a discounted rescue veterinary clinic for cats at the Brooklyn Cat Cafe, providing cat rescuers with low-cost exams, vaccinations, diagnostic testing, microchips, and medications. Thanks to funding from GS Humane and the ASPCA, the Brooklyn Bridge Animal Welfare Coalition opened a deeply discounted spay-neuter clinic for cat rescuers and low-income cat owners in the fall of 2021. This clinic also provides low-cost surgical services such as nucleations and amputations and will soon provide low-cost dental procedures for rescued cats. In 2022, the Brooklyn Bridge Animal Welfare Coalition's clinic also started offering spay-neuter services for rescued rabbits and rats. Anne, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Anne is in her special diet room with cats. So there are cats in the back that have to have special diets and they're kind of romping around and that kind of thing. So cats are all welcome here on the podcast. But if you do hear a thump or a bump, it's just because they're romping around behind her there. So anyway, so this is one of those situations where maybe we would want to be on Zoom so we could see what was going on. But just know that Anne is there and she's taking care of the cats. So with that all being said, and the fact that you have all these cats in the room with you, how did you become passionate about cats? I've just always loved animals. Um, the the personality, the uh, activity levels, and just the general sense of humor um, has always appealed to me. And you know, living in New York, I feel like cats are a really good companion. They're certainly all over the city, and um, it's been a really great opportunity to meet some wonderful animals and some wonderful people uh, working with them over the last few years. Yeah. Before we started the recording, we we were did a little pre-chat. Um, and I think before we dive into the details about the Brooklyn Cat Cafe, you know, there's lots of cats, you just said, lots of cats in New York City. You know, what was your understanding of cats before you embarked on this project with the Cat Cafe and then going into the clinic? How did you learn sort of about the situation with regards to community cats in New York City? And how would you depict the situation for community cats in New York? Oh, okay. Um, so I had a dog and uh, there was a 
dog park and someone had posted about cats that had been found. And then I went down a deep well into getting involved in rescue and helping different people, you know, socializing cats that they found or fostering them to get adopted. And one of the first things I noticed is that I think everyone notices is that there's very little support and help. And um, there's not a lot of protections for individual rescuers. It's difficult to raise money to, to pay for veterinary costs. So I worked with uh, other rescuers to sort of create the nonprofit Brooklyn Bridge Animal Welfare Coalition. And our goal was that, you know, if we worked together, we could each pool our skills and, you know, maybe make something that was less time consuming and draining. And, and so that each person who was trying to help a cat didn't have to become a medical expert and become, you know, uh, well, this is before social media, but, you know, a listing expert and an adoption expert and all that stuff. I, I think being a rescuer can sometimes be very overwhelming and occasionally lonely when you're sitting up late at night with a sick animal or you're trying to figure out um, how you can help some someone. And allowing all of us to share share our skills and work in the best way that we individually can with our skills has been really helpful in allowing us to help more animals because no one person can do all aspects of rescue. You know, you become much more effective if you're doing what your expertise is and this other person is doing what their expertise is. So that's sort of how it came along. <laughs> What do you feel your expertise is? What do you bring to the coalition? Um, I have worked in veterinary medicine for a while. So I have a, a number of connections there. I feel I have a pretty good understanding and experience with it. So I think that that's something I've always had experience with. I have experience with, you know, a little bit of organizational structure and, um, and running things like that. And, um, I guess just also like speaking with people and talking to them and convincing them to uh, join my organization or our organization and contribute their skills because, you know, nothing that like, that was such a fabulous biography that you, you wrote at the beginning, but um, nothing that I have accomplished according to that from the Brooklyn cat cafe to the rescue, to opening the clinic was something that I did individually. That was something that, required significant work from a number of people. And, and so, you know, having that trust and the, the support of all those people is, is very um, rewarding in that allowing these things to be created um, that give back to the community and, and help the animals in so many different ways. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Cat Cafe because everybody loves a cat cafe, right? I mean, so I can't not talk about it. Yeah. Um, I have to bring it right up and right in the forefront. What brought you to that model of a cat cafe? Um, it seemed like it was that the first piece of this. I mean, you were probably doing a little bit of rescue in the beginning as an individual. And then you, you decided to do a cat cafe as that next model rather than a shelter or something like that. So what we did is we... Um, I was sort of helping as an individual rescuer foster. And then we started Brooklyn Bridge Animal Welfare Coalition, which was essentially a foster-based rescue organization. And we would have, you know, most of our home, our animals, we'd have a small number of animals and they were primarily in various foster homes. And that's difficult when you get to adopters who 
you know, they're like, well, I I just want a cat. I don't know exactly what I want. And so, you know, a description on Pet Finder can be helpful, but it's the rare person who's like, this is the cat. I have fallen in love with this one picture and this big description. <laughs> you know, I want to meet the cats and I want to meet multiple cats because I'm not sure w- which one is going to be a good fit. So um, that's always a, a problem for foster-based And especially now post-COVID, no one wants to have a bunch of people tromping through their house and visiting their cats. And even before COVID, you know, it was difficult. You got to clean your house and look, you know, not like a crazy cat lady. (laughs) And uh, hopefully your cats um, are on the mall and and agreeing to, to having strangers come in, but sometimes they're not. So that was always difficult. And then let's say that you had an adoption event you brought all these cats to a specific location. Everyone's stressed because it's hot or cold. Um, The cats, you know, they're not dogs in most cases. So, you know, none of the cats are consulted about, you know, coming to these adoption events. Sometimes they're really friendly cats are scared or, or whatever. So that's stressful and you're not really able to show off what the cats are like. Then finally, people that want to come and they're all excited and all they really want to do is hold a cat and cuddle with a kitten. Maybe they'll give you a few dollars, but they're not there to adopt. A lot of times they would be tourists. And, um, you know, of course you can't be just rude to them, but on the other hand, you're kind of like, Hey, you're wasting my time. There's no benefit to me. This is, I'm desperately trying to move these cats along. And so in 2015, um, the mayor's Alliance and Maddie's fund did, um, had a grant and you could do a proposal. And so my proposal was, I thought that if we had a pop-up cat cafe that we could really sort of make those people who wanted to uh, just hold and cuddle a kitten support the cost of um, having an adoption space. Because if we have a store location, a shelter location, most of the shelters are not in very popular locations because they have to go for cheap property because you can't charge $1,000 per cat, no matter what you think your cat is worth. You know, if everyone who came in and played with cats paid a few dollars, that really covers the cost instead of making the adopter, whoever ends up with the adopter, you know, with the final cat, cover that cost. So that was my proposal. I said, I thought we could find a place, we'd charge a small admissions fee, see if that worked. And we had a pop-up for six weeks um, it was the first one in Brooklyn Heights in Brooklyn, and it was just really a great experience. We were able to work with other rescuers. Um, a lot of cats that traditionally were shy and probably wouldn't have shown well at a traditional adoption event or even in foster home visits did great because this was their home. They were comfortable there. And so people would come in and they'd sit down and some cat that, you know, would just come up to them and they, the cats could show their personality and people had a good time. And it was a really good opportunity. We t- ended up having um, a neighborhood cats did a um, feral, a TNR class there. And we would talk to people about, cause we had ear tip cats. So it was a great opportunity for education and getting a lot of cats adopted. I mean, it also kind of works as a foster home, essentially. So we we parlayed that into getting a another location. So we had our first location, permanent location on Atlantic Avenue. And then we moved three years ago to our current location on Montague Street and, you know, just have expanded. We do a lot of TNR services with volunteers who are helping rescuers who are helping in the community. And then as you said in bi- biography in 2020, uh, during COVID, 
it was really, really terrible for most rescuers. Like not just because of, you know, the isolation and being, you know, not working or, or all those issues, but because um, a lot of vet offices closed down or reduced capacity. A lot of the low cost rescue vet places um, either didn't have capacity or weren't doing anything. Um, the ASPCA shut down uh, their spay neuter programs, shut down for three months. Um, animal care centers was really had very, very limited services. And um, I just remember being super angry because the cats were suffering. People were still constantly contacting every rescuer I knew, including us, and asking for help. They were now home and they were seeing all these animals and there was nothing we could do. You know, again, I had friends in the veterinary field and I was, we were very lucky that we were able to get the veterinary support that we did, but it just made me realize that the already limited um, support that was provided to rescuers was just too easily removed and that they, they really needed to be some kind of place that was one advocating for rescuers and the work that they were doing and also providing them with support. So is, is that the point where you decided you needed to do a spay neuter clinic? Yeah, it, it, that was, I think it was in May, um, May or June. And I just remember being like, this is not okay. This is, it's not acceptable. I mean, before COVID, almost every rescuer I knew was desperately, you know, was spending money that they often didn't have or raising money to cover vet costs for animals that weren't their own. Not that these animals don't deserve care, but this is a citywide problem that, especially in some neighborhoods, often in very poor neighborhoods or economically disadvantaged neighborhoods where there's less resources are where some of the worst situations are. And I think anyone who has, you know, has compassion for the suffering that they see and wants to do something to then be told that, you know, it's 200 to $400 just to like, make sure the cat's healthy and has vaccines. That's not okay. Team Dubert is at it again. And now they have an amazing companion case management module that once again, revolutionizes how you rescue animals. Dubert partnered with Dallas Pets Alive and the Spay Neuter Network to build a powerful solution that allows you to manage cases of any kind, whether owner surrender calls or emails, community cat tracking and reporting. Dubert is the only system that integrates two-way text messaging, automatic follow-ups, and even a rehoming solution that every organization can use. No more trying to manage 10 different technologies when everything is all in one place and tightly integrated. From fostering to transport, fundraising to e-commerce, supply and demand to case management, Dubert has everything you need to streamline your operations so you can focus on saving more animals. Check out the new companion case management module at www.dubert.com CCM and get signed up today. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate, or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people? Look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum. Come for an answer. Stay for the community. And it's just not, it's not viable. It's just not possible, it, you know, no, yes. no matter what. And, and then, you know, we have a lot of conversations about 
access to care and who has the right to help cats, right? It can't be about the money because there's so many cats. If we just go out there and we get them the help that they need, the health, you know, the public health that they need or the public health help, I guess, is the word that I'm thinking of. So get them, get them spayed and neutered, get them their rabies vaccine. And then, you know what, someone in the community may want to take that cat in or maybe not. Maybe that cat is perfectly fine being outside, but then it gives everybody more options and more flexibility. And they, you know, shouldn't have this large scale funding as an obstacle. And, And I'm not at all saying veterinarians need to reduce their prices. There's a lot of obstacles out there. We've got, you know, veterinary shortage situation out there. Technicians, our technicians have not been paid well historically. So I'm not, I'm not saying that it's like the veterinarian's fault, but I'm saying that it's a community-wide situation that we need to take a look at and be able to provide, you know, I always say four, if it's four paws on the ground, we need to make sure that that cat and that that family has access to affordable spay neuter. So is that sort of the light bulb that went on with off with you? Yeah. I mean, that had always been something like we all, there's, you know, two or three vets that give very frequent low cost prices. You know, I think every rescuer knows a couple of them, you know, and other than that, you know, maybe you get a 10 or 15% discount, which I'm not trying to minimize that. I understand that veterinary medicine is a, is a business and that, you know, they have to pay their employees, but it's, it's still like, it's not affordable and, and it's really upsetting. And we were also getting calls from people who were willing, like you said, willing to take in a cat. And I'm sorry, I love cats and um, I would never advocate being cruel to an animal, but like when you smell an unneutered male, your eyes hurt. And as much as I love them, I still always think if I could not neuter you, I would have to toss you out. I, I just, I can't imagine how people live with this kind of smell. I don't understand how cats live with their own smell. And there is no services and they were being treated as if this was an optional service. And anyone who has lived with an unneutered male knows that that is not an optional service. But if you're looking for a low cost spay neuter appointment or you're using a a voucher program, there are certain parts of the country where the wait is five to eight months long to be able to utilize that program. And so thinking outside of the box too, it's like, okay, so, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to have to learn how to house unspayed and neutered cats to keep them separate to try and do, because we want to do the best that we can do. And if that's out of our reach, then what do we have to learn how to do behaviorally while we're waiting for those opportunities to come? And then obviously we need to address process, looking at like cat neuters. Do they have to be done by veterinarians? Can they be done by a licensed technician? Rabies vaccinations, can they be done by somebody other than a veterinarian? I mean, where is that very important line? But I, I strongly believe that Spaying and neutering cats is a necessity. Absolutely. And so it's primary. It's primary to that package. I mean, that that is such a key, important thing. But I mean, as a rescuer, you know, our perspective is that, um, you know, one, these aren't our cats and, you know, we're doing hundreds and thousands versus, you know, an individual pet owner hopefully only has, you know, one or two or, you know, a, a finite number. But as you're seeing, like, it's not just a problem for rescuers, you know, yes, um, there's a bunch of, you know, homeless animals that we want to help, but also 
the pet owners, like you should not have to be a millionaire. And, um, you know, when I was angry and trying to tell foundations and people who had income and why this was important, um, we got some of our volunteers and I called every veterinary office in New York City, or not me personally, but again, um, volunteers. And um, this is keeping in mind that this was in 2020 when veterinary care was less expensive than it was now, um, that after talking to all the clinics and, and a number of them wouldn't tell us, which how can you not tell someone what an expected price for a surgery is? This is human healthcare all over again, but the cheapest borough is Bronx and there um, the average cost for a spay was $540 and it was $495 for a neuter. Um, and that's because they all require exams and lab work and vaccines and all, all this stuff. And, and absolutely, if you are a pet owner who can afford that and can want to go down the street and um, on the day of your choice and, and you're okay to pay that, that's completely fair for vet offices to charge what they need to and all these extra services. But if you have a beloved family member that is a feline <laughs> or, or a dog or anything, and you are trying to provide basic care for it, that should not be required to spend that much money that you can't afford to provide decent care. And this is, I mean, it's not just comfort, like because the cats smell or because the behavior is annoying. Uh, female cats get pyometras all the time and other issues that really re require that we should spay and neuter. And yes, if you are in New York, at least in New York City, all shelters and rescue organizations are actually required to uh, spay and neuter and pet stores to spay and neuter a dog or cat that is adopted. But if you look at where a lot of people get, cat, get them from a shelter, they find them on the street, they get them from a friend who had kittens, you know, they, they get them from someone else who had a cat that they can't keep anymore. The majority of cats don't come from shelters. And the reason why I know this is because if you look at shelter animal count, the total number of animals that come through the major shelters and a lot of, and the small rescue groups, and, and it doesn't count a lot of them. But it's like around 25,000 25, cats are in total. And that's just intake. Like the, the adoption numbers are, are much smaller. So most of the animals are not coming through shelters or rescue groups. So again, that just means that there's this huge need for these basic services. And it's also a public health issue. You know, overpopulation of animals is not healthy for humans. And if you love this animal and it's having babies because you can't get it spayed or neutered, and then you've got, you're growing exponentially and you can't find them. So animals can in bad conditions because of overpopulation or because um, of health issues, either inside or outside can, um, you know, that can have effects on um, human health. So, I mean, just from a purely selfish perspective, if all we're going to look at is, you know, our human interests, we should not be allowing this to go on. So can you tell, tell me some more details about your clinic? How often is it open? How many cats are you assisting or planning to assist? What are your goals? Um, right now, um, we are open three days a week. It switches, but it's right now it's Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And we do uh, three days of surgery. 
one of those days is um, we work only with rescuers and have um, like a vaccine clinic for, for rescuers so that, because again, like the ASPCA is amazing that you can go, but if you find a cat that's already neutered or spayed, um, you can't get veterinary services and you can't adopt a cat unless that it has rabies. So for those animals or like kittens where, cause they always have sniffles or they always have some problem as they're growing older, um, you know, people, the rescuers can bring them in. And the other days we do uh, spay-neuter services. We usually split it half and half between pet owners and rescuers. And included with every spay and neuter, um, every cat gets rabies, FVRCP, uh, a microchip, and flea treatment. Because, um, and the flea treatment is also dewormer. dewormer. And so um, the full price is um, it's $80 for a neuter and $100 for stay. And we received a a stipend from Bissell Pet Foundation. So uh, anyone who's receiving any type of public assistance gets $25 off their services. And then the ASPCA gave us another grant and um, anyone who's a rescuer and TNR certified gets $40 off their services. So if you have, you have a feral cat and you need um, to be neutered, it's, it could be $40 for the surgery plus everything else. And, you know, our perspective is for many of these cats, unfortunately, this may be the only time they're ever going to see a vet. So we do our best to uh, make sure that, you know, when they leave, they, they get kind of a full checkup. We get them in good shape so that they can go back out and have, um, you know, a really good quality of life and be so much happier and not having to deal with fighting and aggression and babies. So, so in, if, if folks are interested in finding out more about your clinic program, as well as the cat cafe, how would they do that? Most of our staff is primarily focused on um, running the surgery and dealing with the animals. So it, it's very sort of um, low maintenance and patient operated. So basically for the cat cafe, the best place is to go to the um, website, which is cat, uh, www.catcafebk.com. Um, you can make reservations and visit and learn about all of the adoptable cats. If you go to uh, bbawc.org backslash clinic, um, which is the rescue page, um, you can find out information about the services we offer and you go and you book your own appointment, you schedule it, you do prepay, but it's refundable as long as you, you know, cancel within 24 hours. I had to shut down the wait list because at first we didn't have a super long we, you know, like we were just sort of like filling in and some days we have like 10 people on the wait list to, for the appointments because there's such a need. I talked with someone the other day and she said that they, she could get an appointment with our clinic within the month. Whereas, um, you know, the other days she was getting were like in December. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we always open appointments. If it's an emergency, we try and get someone in sooner, you know, but like it's very sort of self-operational. So people book their own appointments, you can prepay everything, you can, um, or we can charge you sort of the balance at the time, you know, when you pick your cat up, um, you fill out a form so that you get entered into our tracking, you know, our tracking system automatically. And we really try and focus our services again on the cats and making sure that they come to our clinic, they, they get an exam, they get 
treatment and, um, and they're going to go back to their homes in a better situation. And I want to thank you so much for joining me today and for being a guest on the Community Cats podcast. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats.